Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, about to get started up in the coming weeks here. And Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Right, stream starting up. Welcome in some strange faces here. I know this is a weird one. There is wow. no Bobby Manning. Bobby Manning took a vacation, wasn't authorized, but we let him, I guess he just Tweeted did it. about the damn Grammys, I can see. Yeah. He just told us he was going on vacation, so uh, it happened. Uh, and uh, Josue Pavone, a deserved off day, but we're welcoming in uh, A. Sherrod Blakely. Uh, so what's up, man? What's going on, fellas? My quarterback. That's our My quarterback. My guy, Jimmy T. Uh, bring the band back together. Yeah, so, I mean, nobody I, I, nobody at home will know necessarily, but uh, the three of us here all work together at NBC Sports Boston. At that point, it was Comcast Sportsnet in various roles. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what years, what what was the overlap? Jimmy, what were your years? I was there for every year that Shira, um, like five years, 2000, like what, uh, 11 to like 16, yep. something like that. Yeah, yep. roughly. That sounds about right. Sounds yeah. about right. And, uh, I, and I, the first real beat was, was, you know, backing up Sherrod, he was obviously the, the A guy, and I was kind of the Mr. Sidebar, I think, you know. Yeah. We'd, we'd, we'd chat about the game and we'd, we'd get to work after. Yeah. So that's what, we're gonna do, that's what we're going to do tonight. Sherrod also, of course, currently writes for Bleacher Report, Boston Sports Journal, and hosts the A-List podcast on CLNS Media. So if you don't subscribe yet, you should. And we'll talk about this week's episode if you've got anything lined up a little bit later. Uh, let's start with tonight's game. This it, this was a cakewalk. This was fun. This is get you get you right, feel good about yourself sort of game. Mm-hmm. Kind of got the makings of start of one of those tough like this almost felt like that toronto game right before the break where like there's no earthly reason why this should be close yet it was uh houston was making everything celtics d wasn't great a lot of open threes and then literally just houston just flipped the off switch and that was it <laughs> that was they literally somewhere in the second quarter Sherrod, they're like yep we're done and that was yeah. it celtics went Locking on a 34-8 run and it was over yeah i mean at some point they realized that wait a minute we're the Houston Rockets. Right. Yeah. We're not that good. 
what the hell are we doing here? This is this is screwing up our chances to get a number one pick. Let's just kill that <laughs> and just play the way we can play. And I'll say this about the Celtics. I thought the one thing that they did that frustrated the hell out of me from the jump was the two bigs lineup and them not taking advantage of that. Either play your wings and beat the crap out of these guys or use those two bigs and beat them to death ar- around the rim. And it over as the game progressed, they started trending in that direction. It was great to see. But from the very outset, I was really frustrated at this game because I knew the Celtics had multiple clear advantages, and they were just like, nah, we're just going to just kind of run around for a little bit and just let them get their shots off. And then at some point before halftime, we'll figure out we're the better team and play like it. Well, yeah. And so, Sherrod, I doubt you've, I doubt you've, uh, you know, I don't know how many of these you've ever watched or gotten any whiff of anything we do, but if you don't stop me, I'm going to talk about Rob Williams for 25 straight minutes. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just what I do. So what was interesting tonight when they did go away from the two big lineup, they went to a clearly a one big lineup and that rotation. Uh, and I'm going to talk about Rob ad nauseum in a little bit yep. because he, he had a near perfect game tonight. And again, Houston was totally undermanned, but, I don't know that you can do anything better than Rob, what Rob Williams did it tonight, but it was interesting that Tice was the guy who was kind of sitting on the outside here. There's some games that should happen. Yeah. I think if, if you're going to go with the two big lineup, here's, here's, here's just a real radical thought. How about just playing two bigs? I think one of the problems that Brad has had is he's tried to play all three of those guys every night. And there's some nights where Tice, I think, should be out there and maybe less Rob and less Tristan. And some nights I think more Tristan. Some nights I think more. Brad has to figure out of those three, which two do I need to have their asses on the court more than not? And tonight was a clear example where you have a team that is undermanned and under-talented as the Houston Rockets. Go with the young fella who can run the floor and swat anything within five feet of the rim. And he did that, and it worked out exceptionally well. And, again, Rob Williams – We've always talked about the potential, but what we're seeing now is consistency on top of the potential. That's why he's out there playing more, and that's why if the Celtics are ever going to break through that top three upper echelon in the East, Rob Williams is going to be a big part of that. Well, what is interesting, this is the first one, and Jimmy, I want your thoughts too. This is the first game I can remember, and I got to go back where Rob had the most minutes. Yeah, very well could be. And sure, I makes a good point. I mean, why why play all three guys every game? Because we've seen Brad get away from it with at other positions. Like he goes games without playing Semi. He goes games without playing Neesmith, Teague. And I'm not saying that Tice is really like on that Teague level. Obviously, he's not. I mean, they are talented players to the point where you want to try to get them in. But there are games where you got to ride the hot hand, and it's been Rob lately. And we need to see more and more and more. And and obviously, me and John have been banging that drum for what feels like months now. But it's starting to see it like Rob's getting in the game more than he should, but he's staying in for the reasons that we've seen tonight. Some of the passes he was making on guys cutting to the rim were there. Um, the tipping, like like that alley oop to him that was like a not a great pass. He, like the touch that he has around the rim now, the little turns, the little floaters, like that's why he's staying in the game. It's not just because he can go up and rip down boards and block shots and I mean, even some of the blocks tonight, they were like controlled blocks where he was actually like blocking it and then grabbing it and, you know, making the outlet pass. So he is doing like everything that you want to see a young big do. And he is his stock. I'll go back to it again. Rob Stonk is rising and continues to rise. Another reason why I've been saying it might be too soon to trade Rob. I think that if the more playing time he gets, the more value he gets and you might have more you might have a bigger piece to add to that add with that TPE in the offseason than you would if you traded him right now. Well, there are two problems with that whole concept of trading Rob, which is just 
absolute stupidity to even talk about that. <laughs> but we're gonna talk about it, Jimmy. Because you, brought, you brought it, because you put it, you put it Thank in the atmosphere, and we gotta breathe it in. We gotta breathe it in, guys. Where are the other guys right now? Because here's the problem with trading Rob with. At this point, he doesn't make enough money for you to get anything of value in return. Okay, we understand that. Adding him as a sweetener is completely ludicrous because he's too talented to be a sweetener. We're not oh talking God. about a guy he's that's at the end of your – What's that? Centerpiece. Yes, he'd be a and, he'd be but like he doesn't make enough money as the centerpiece to give he's, you something of value. No, but he'd be, the, he'd be the Al Jefferson of the deal. You know, put like, him with the TPE, you know? Yeah, he'd be, exactly. He'd be the Al Jefferson. He'd be the Al Jefferson with the picks and the TPE and whatever money you need to make it work. I'm not saying you do it. What I'm saying is there's no question at this point he's put himself in a in a in a different conversation where like right now you're talking about Harrison Barnes, okay? And the offer appears to be a first, let them take their pick on what else I'm not they want between between Neesmith and Romeo and whatever else you need to make it work. Basically, Sacramento can pick and choose their pieces. But if one of the pieces they pick is Rob Williams, that answer might be no. You no, that's not happening. I, I, you hang because up. here's the thing. You, you brought up Al Jefferson, which is a good point. But here's the thing. What am I getting as part of that deal? Oh, I'm getting Kevin Garnett, a, a, a franchise transformational type player. Harrison Barnes, no disrespect, you're not that dude. No, yeah, I'm not. I doing mean, if we're hands. talking Anthony Davis, if we're talking, basically Anthony Davis is pretty much the only guy that I would seriously think about doing that. Well, deal for. Heard, wow, that's a little, that's a little too much. That's a little nuts. But if Vucevic for yeah. legit in play, you can see that being part of the package there, which is you move a big out and a big in. You you know, you get some assets right. in it. Maybe for a player of that caliber, but I, I certainly don't think a Harrison Barnes type guy. No. You are approaching not only from the money perspective, you are approaching. Rob untradeability period sort of factor, which is like, nah, we're gonna keep this guy and grow with him. But the trade right. thing is the trade thing is one. The other is how many more games like this do you need to see to so fine? He played more minutes tonight, and that's only because all the starters rested in the fourth. But any other game, Thompson's coming back in that fourth quarter. He's gonna be up in the 25-minute range. Tice might mix in again, and Rob's gonna sit there in the 16, 18, 19 minute range. Maybe he closes a game, and we're still scratching our heads at the end of the day saying, Why is he playing the same minutes as anyone else? What's it gonna take, Sherrod, in your mind to get Rob into clearly top big status on this team where he's playing the most minutes in the in in all the key situations? I think what he's got to do is continue as much as we talk about all the great things he does athletically. The one thing he's doing less, which I think is helping him is he's not making as many as those boneheaded. What the hell was he thinking out there yeah. type mistakes? Yeah. He continues to cut down on those mistakes. I think that is going to convince Brad more than anything else that this is a guy that I can lean on because as much as Brad, excuse me, as much as time Lord has been all about potential and he's doing great things with rebounding and, and tipping in shots and doing all that stuff. It's the mistakes that he has made in the past that more than anything else has limited his, his ability to get on the floor. If he continues to keep cutting down on those and keeps bringing more positive to the table than those those knucklehead plays that he sometimes makes, I think that's when he's going to get into that 20, 25, and 30-minute range. Because when you look at his ability to play above the rim, you look at his ability as a rebounder, you look at his ability to score around the basket, he is their best center. I don't think, I don't think it's even debatable. But – he no. makes enough he makes enough mistakes to where not enough not enough in my opinion like i said the, the the conversation we have on this show all the time is 
he'll he'll make some mistakes, but also the good plays he makes, nobody, no other human being can make them. When Tristan does a good thing, that's fine, but a lot of bigs would do the same thing in that situation. Rob does things that other people can't do, which I think more than makes up for a bonehead player too, but you're right. When he cuts them down, there's no argument against not playing him. You know who he reminds me of, and and, and they're, they're they're similar in terms of their kind of freakish athleticism. But I think Rob, and you'll you'll love this. I think Rob's a little bit more grounded. Javale McGee, he's he, he, has, he has that he has that kind of freakish athleticism at the position that Javale McGee, who by the way, folks, I think forgot about this, was pretty damn close to being a Celtic. Uh, to the point where they thought they had a deal, and Javale and his camp were like, "Oh, time out." We won X, Y, Z, and Danny was like, can't do that. Then we have no deal. So, Rob. JaVale McGee. Well, think that about is, it. JaVale McGee is one of the most, I, even I, at this point in his career, he's still one of the most athletic bigs in the I game. don't disagree with the athletic comp. I see people throw DeAndre Jordan out there, which is nuts. Because DeAndre Jordan, and again, the greatest, one of the greatest quotes of all times was Charles Barkley. You could lock DeAndre Jordan in a gym overnight, <laughs> tell him he can't dunk, and he'll wake up in the morning with six points. Okay, like <laughs> DeAndre Jordan cannot do anything other than jump. Okay, so right. I hate that comparison for Rob. JaVale has not just uh, uh, athleticism, but hand eye. He's got fluidity. He's just a knucklehead where he could literally just turn around and score on the wrong basket, which right, <laughs> which he has. I think. Jimmy, go ahead. I haven't. I've, I've been. I love been, that. I <laughs> JaVale is one of my favorite players to watch because for, for simple comedic value, he's going to do something that's going to be like, what the hell was he thinking? Yeah. Rob doesn't do that nearly as much like the last couple of weeks as he was doing earlier this year and, and, and last season. And that to me is what the Celtics need. They need him to be more than just a freakish athletic yeah. guy who can get a bucket or two here and there. He has to have a presence at both ends of the floor. And I think we're starting to see him slowly but surely get to that point. I like this comment by Zane because, again, and Jimmy's mentioned this a bunch too, is that the margin for error for Rob when it comes to both oh my God. it feels like media and fans and even Brad is so thin, whereas like Tristan Thompson gets the ball, looks around, and he's like, yeah, shit, I'll dribble, and he just puts his head down and he goes and, and inevitably loses the ball every single time he tries to do it. Um, and that's fine. You live with that. And I don't know why that's okay, but Rob does something boneheaded. You can't live with it. You know what it is, John? I'm going to tell you exactly why that is. Often the impression that you have of someone is the first impression they left on you. Fair. Go back. And and that to me is why Rob would. Rob still Williams, paying for his frigging alarm he, clock. He is. He really is. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's wrong in the media. In, in many respects, it's wrong. Brad, I think, is wrong to some extent. But that's the reality of it. This kid came into the league. Kind of as a screw as a knucklehead from day one. Yeah. Daniel Tice didn't come in like that. Tristan Thompson didn't come in like that. The mistake that they make are seen as oh, that's just a basketball mistake. Uh, whereas Rob, we, there's this this false narrative that it's something much deeper than that. Uh, I want to see him play more because I think the more he plays, the more he's going to shut a lot of people up about all that nonsense about him not being able to be a contributor. But here, but here's the thing: I'm not going to get geeked about what he did against the G League Houston Rockets. I just can't do it. <laughs> Because that that that's not a very good team. Do that on Tuesday when you're playing the Utah Jazz. Go at Rudy Gobert. Put him in his place. Make plays when Donovan Mitchell is driving to the basket. When you start doing those type of things, no one, no one can argue against you and what you bring to the game. Because those are legitimate all-star, all-NBA type players. Again, I mean, 
other than Victor Oladipo, is there anyone on this Houston Rockets team that we should care to remember? I don't think no. so. No, but I like Sterling Brown. Nice in player. That, in that sense, it's good to see Rob outplay those players because that that shows that you know he he is above that you know G League level of basketball. He the should be. Right, exactly. But the, the the reason I think why people are so surprised at how well he's playing is because it took so long for Brad to take, you know, the leash off, you know, and then let and let him play a little bit, you know, like let him make a mistake and stay in the game. Don't pull him. But I think a lot of people, Rob's under the microscope, obviously for the way he came into the league. But it's like people are trying to find reasons for why this guy isn't playing. It's like, oh well, there you go. See that mistake right there? That's why he can't get on the court. That's why he can't stay on the court. When in reality, there's there's guys making mistakes to that to that level all over the court all the time on the Celtics I mean you know just go down the line and look at some of these you know boneheaded turnovers and plays that that go on but for some reason it felt like Rob was like way more under the microscope but now it's like you can't deny what he adds to the team what he brings to the team out there the the plays that he makes the fact that like John said he does things that literally nobody else can do so like his good things are way better than Tristan Thompson's good things because at the end of the day Tristan Thompson's a good player, but he's limited into what that what a good player for him is. Like he'll grab boards, he'll you know put back shots, but like he's a good player. He's gonna give you like nine and eight every game, and like you're gonna be like, well, that was a fine game. But Rob's ceiling is so much higher. But but like you have to live and die with him out there sometimes. I wish that they flip flop and that Rob was in the starting lineup and Tristan was coming off the bench because I like Tristan much better when he's going at backups. Uh, I think he'd be very good. And I would love to see Rob be on your first line defensively because he gives you a legitimate rim protector when your guards get beat off the dribble. I mean, that, that it's, yeah. it, that's what's interesting, Sherrod, because I hear the opposite a lot is so the defense in keeping Rob where he is, is he's playing against backups. That's why he's successful. If you, if you, if you, if you moved him into the starting uh, starting lineup, you know, things would be different, you know, and I want to I find out. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think actually, especially you see like how Tatum's game opens up and Brown's game opens up, you know, with the whole roll gravity thing that everybody freaks out about. But like there was a couple times today where Tatum, Tatum has the ball in his hands. He's your most lethal scorer. And the defense is more worried about Rob running to the basket because they don't want to get yoked on, on, on yeah. an alley-oop. And, and Tatum just has a clear lane to the basket. And he had those a couple of times when Rob's in the game. I think what he does there for those guys, drawing attention to himself on the offensive end and just always the threat of the lob or the putback, it's a huge, huge uh, advantage. I think, he'd, I think he'd do phenomenally well playing with the starters. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. And it's been, how many how many defensive assignments are you truly worried about? You know, like sure, he's going to struggle against an Embiid. I mean, everyone gets eaten alive by Embiid. In most games, you're not super super worried that you're going to get chewed up by you know by an Embiid type figure in the middle. Yeah, I mean the, the thing about Rob, is, he's just a better player. I just I, I think he's a, I think he's a better sure. player. I think he's a better fit. And I think if you are going to be have any shot at getting through to the Phillies to the Brooklyns, to the Milwaukee's. You're going to need someone to elevate their play that we aren't talking about or we aren't giving legit top-shelf attention to. Rob is that guy. I mean, granted, Houston, I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they actually triple-teamed him on a block on a couple of different possessions. Yeah, That should never happen. <laughs> even I mean, even in your wildest, like, video game fantasy, that should never, ever, ever yeah. happen. 
but they did that. But I, I'll yeah, say this though. Yeah. I just think that Rob Williams, he needs to continue to play more. And I think at some point they need to put him in a starting lineup. I like Thank that. you. God, somebody maybe, maybe start him against Gobert. I want to. I like. I want to see that. I would love to see that. Look, I would love to see. I that. don't know how well that goes, but I still think that that's. Well, I don't think it'll go well at all at first. No, <laughs> Throw him and in the it fire. might not. But that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision because I don't think. I don't think anybody else would fare any better. Those are the type of guys and those are the type of challenges you want to see, uh, you know, no, Rob get after. And you want to see him make plays and you want to see him use his physical, you know, his physical tools against a guy like Gobert. Uh, and uh, I, like, I'm, I'm dying. I would, I would love, love, love to see it, but I'm worried that it's going to be one of those times where Rob only comes in when Gobert sits sort of games. Well, the thing I that I, I, the thing, here's the thing. I, I look at a guy like Jalen Brown, completely different player, but the very first start that he got in the NBA was against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland matched up against LeBron James. Now, to me, it wasn't the fact that he scored 19 points, which was awesome. It was how he figured out how to contribute and make his presence felt as the game progressed. I want to see Rob put in a situation where he's got to figure out how to do something other than just catching lobs. And, and, and swatting shots. Are there other aspects of his game that he can work on? Can he set, you know, different types of screens that free that take away defense, defensive menaces like Rudy Gobert that allows Jason Tatum a clear lane to the basket? Can he do some of those intangible things that when you are a young player and you're trying to establish yourself as being something more than your coach thinks you are right now, can he step <laughs> his mental game up and do that? I want to see yeah. him get a shot at doing that. He's earned, yeah. to me, he's earned a right too. to have that shot. So Brad kind of alluded to, again, the, the ramp up uh, in the post game tonight. Gives us an upside. We need to keep building and building and building. I, I We've talked about this, Sherrod, and uh, Jimmy and I share an opinion on this one. Um, I we know, Rob has a his, we know Rob has an injury history, and we know that that's something that they're aware of. But mm -hmm. we never heard anything about minutes restrictions until very recently where it was like, why aren't when you playing this guy more? And it was like, yeah. oh, uh, minutes restriction and it felt a little convenient almost like i probably should have been playing him more but i think i can both things are true like yeah he has the right. hip thing but you really think it's he's a on a program right now or there's just still that comfort level where i do think tristan is security it's an it's a it's a no it's a known quantity rob's more of a wild card and i think coaches you know, they're afraid to just kind of jump out without, you know, jump out of the plane without a parachute. And that's what playing Rob Moore feels like. I don't know how much this is hip related and how much it's just letting go and just letting the Rob Williams experience overtake you once and for all. I think there's still some hesitation on Steven's part just for the type of player he is in his history. Well, Rob, Brad has never had a player like Rob's before. But I don't think it's the injury. I don't think that's no. limiting his – no. Right. No, I, I think I think it's just it's Rob has yet to develop that snuggy blanket status with Brad Stevens. Yeah. Tristan Thompson has. And, and it's not so much what Tristan has done in Boston. It's what Tristan has done over the longevity of his career. He's got a championship ring. Uh, last I checked, there's no one on the Celtic squad who was a starter on a team that won an NBA title. Well, they got to uh, play with LeBron. That's all. Well, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, that helps. It definitely <laughs> helps. But but the thing about it, but Tristan, to his credit, I mean, he was a contributor to that team's success. Oh, yeah. And even if oh. and even if you look at what he's doing now for the Celtics, and again, I don't mean to, to crap on Tristan uh, too much, but in the last like five games prior to tonight, 
Tristan was the best offensive rebounder in the previous five games in the entire NBA in terms of offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, and Rob was one of the top eight, top nine guys in terms of rebounding percentage, which means he's making the most of snatching boards when he gets on the floor. I want to see more of that. I want to see him get opportunities to amplify what he's doing a good job at now. And Tristan Thompson is at that point in his career where if, I, if you went to Tristan and said you're coming off the bench, he's not going to trip. He's not going to flip out because he's going to look around and it's like, well, y'all going to need me at some point. Wait till y'all need me, and then I'll be ready to roll. Whereas yeah. Rob, I think Rob needs to be encouraged to be be the badass yeah. player that yeah. he can be. Right. Be be even better. Like So this, that's why I love this game. This was a – you knew this the, the competition – I mean, this felt like, you know, the varsity playing the JV for, for periods. But Rob also acted like that. I'm better than these guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And seeing him assert his will on people uh, is a big deal. You know, it's a big deal in his development, which is I'm just going to be dominant because I can be. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to go up over you. I'm going to get boards. I'm going to make passes. I'm going to be confident in everything I do. It's good to see these games. This helped build towards it. I think the next one is – Jump in with the starters, big boy, and see what you can do. Absolutely. That's the next step in the evolution because you, Brad's kind of handcuffed. When he when he waits to bring him in in his rotations, he's fairly limited. He's going to play two stints in the second and the third quarters or whatever it is, into, and then he's going to close if he feels that he's the guy to close or not, but he's never going to get over that 17, 18, 19-minute barrier if that's what he keeps doing. You almost have to insert him into the starting lineup in order to get those minutes up and get him playing with the starters more. It's the only way it's going to work. Yes, he's building the confidence. That's what it is. I mean, the more he plays, the more confidence he gets. I mean, last last season, he would go stretches, game, uh, you know, days, weeks without playing. I mean, he was a complete non-factor in the playoffs, um, like literally didn't play. Um, and this, year, this season, finally, it's a completely different story. It's year three. So, again, like at some point, you got to take the training wheels off. You got to throw him in the deep end and see if he can swim. You know, you can't baby this guy through the first four years of his rookie deal. And then, you know, all of a sudden now he's a restricted free agent and you don't even know exactly what you have there. So like th- these are the games like, like against Utah, for example, coming up that you want to see what you have. And honestly, the way he's playing, he's, he's kind of answering the bell. And I think he's earned himself more and more minutes like he has gotten, but still not just 19 tonight. Now I'm sure that would have been more obviously if it was a closer game. But, yeah. you know, he is ticking up to that low 20s, you know, every game now, which is where we wanted him to be, you know, two months ago. So it's slowly let's, happening. Let's let's I want to jump around a couple other things on this game. And then I want to get to a couple of things Sherrod wrote for BSJ, because, like I said, if you don't stop me, I'm going to talk for Time Lord for, for 30 minutes. And we're at minute <laughs> 25 right now. But Sherrod. Yeah. Again, it's hard to draw. It's all it's like I said, it's almost like a preseason game. It's hard to draw positives from um uh, you know, these types of games when you, when you beat a team by, you know, whatever they won by 27 points. Um, but definitely like seeing Jalen do something good after not doing good things was I think important tonight. Yeah. I mean, it, it was good, but it's not surprising. I mean, Jalen's consistently been a good bounce back type of player uh, that that's part of his DNA. I, I think he, he puts in the time to and recognize when he has a bad night, what he needs to do going forward immediately to be better. So it's not a surprise what, what he was able to do. Uh, you know, but to me, I, I look at Tatum tonight and Tatum, you know, I like he, Tatum's game tonight. He a lot. did some things tonight. I didn't even think he had in his bag. I mean, yep. that, that breakaway where he went like behind the back, laid it up on the that's other nice. side of the rim. That was nice. That's something I don't think we've ever seen him do. 
Uh, and, and so it was good to see that. It was good to see Shin Ojale knock down not one, not two, but three. Threes. And again, there were so many positives that you could take away from this game. But to me, the backdrop to all of this is you just beat the crap out of a G League quality team. Yeah, you, you did. did. You did what you, you did what you were supposed to do, which which to me is a, a sign of that to me is the biggest takeaway. They did what they were supposed to do. We know this right. team more times than not plays down to the competition and yeah. it frustrates the hell out of Celtics Nation. Tonight they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then when they they when yeah. the bell rung and it was time to show up, they beat the snot out of these. They could have beat them by four. You've got yeah, you've you, you you you. I mean, you've got bad losses throughout the year to to really substandard opponents. And like I said, right before the All Star break, a Toronto team missing literally its entire roster took you down to the mm-hmm. wire. So yeah, good to see these. I liked Tatum being assertive and taking it to the basket. Um, semi bounce back, as you said, off the DNPCD game, he came out and he knocked down the yep. three threes. Jimmy, what else? you like uh well i was a little you know the one negative i guess in that first half was kemba walker but i like the way he responded in the second half uh he had a really good third quarter and it was kind of like you know one minute it's tatum the next it's brown the next it's kemba and then like there's time lord doing his thing so it really was like all hands on deck sort of thing um i don't know if that if any of this has to do with the fact that you know marcus smart's back and he's you know kind of doing his thing now and sort of like proving that he is kind of the glue guy to how things work out there yeah, it, um, it's it's no coincidence, I don't think. Yeah, it's amazing too. With I mean, Smart and Time Lord checking in basically at the same time, and, and immediately, immediately the tone of the game changes, and that's where right. they that's where they took it over. Smart immediately draws a charge, comes down, hits a three. You know, Time Lord doing Time Lord things, and they just took off from that point on. But yeah, the Smart just from the playmaking alone makes such a big big difference. Uh, it helps the the, helps those guys be more efficient, you know, with the you know with the shooting. Um, you can just see it; they're more comfortable. They're they're not trying to do too much of what they typically wouldn't be doing out there. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like we we all seem to forget like how little time these four those four guys have had together this season on the court mm-hmm. at the same time. And you know, again, it is the Houston Rockets, but it it's nice to start to see them get into a bit of a groove together, you know, out on the court. And eventually you're going to get smart back in that starting lineup when that minutes restriction comes off, whenever that is. And, you know, if these guys can stay healthy, I've been saying, you know, who knows? You know, that's why I said, if you're Danny Ainge, why would you make this massive, massive panic move when you've seen so little of of your actual team this year? And, like, I just don't think that that's a necessary thing for them to do at the deadline they could they could add a depth piece and if they get Marcus Smart back and he stays healthy and Kemba Walker keeps doing his thing you're a tough out and then and then you have to look at other teams in the east like the Sixers for example I'm not going to go off the rails here and start talking to every team but like Embiid went down with an injury he's out for a couple weeks so like really anything can happen so for me mortgaging the future on a panic move just isn't in the isn't what Danny Ainge is going to do in my opinion well, Sherrod, and I do what let's uh, let's get to the thing uh, you talked about. So, Sherrod for Boston Sports Journal. I know every time we do one of these shows, immediately we start getting back into trades. Everyone just wants to know how's the team going to improve. My general right. vibe is along, you know, and and and, and Jimmy's kind of there too. I honestly think most of the improvements are going to come from within, and that's going to be health. That's going to be smart having come back. Whatever you get out of Romeo, and then just roll the dice that you kind of start to figure <laughs> things out. I, I'm still, you know me, I'm still bullish on Romeo doing something. Um, but Going up. Maybe a part or two, but um, it just keeps, they keep, and it's, I, I don't know what it's about, whether it's good basketball sense or this is simply money, Sherrod, but you wrote about it in BSJ, um, and the title was 
Celtics fans, brace yourselves for the stand pad and puke portion of the season. And nobody wants to hear this, but ultimately, you're re you're not just reading between the lines or reading the tea leaves. Danny's telling you, guys, I'm probably not making a trade. And there's a couple reasons why. We're not going to... We're probably not going to use the whole TPE here on a Band-Aid, which he said is a quote outright, and we're not going into the tax. Now, the first one makes basketball sense. The second one's going to infuriate people like crazy, which is, wait a second, you're not going into the tax to potentially have a title contender? And that's, that's something I think fans have a difficult time reconciling. Yeah, I mean, but uh, you know, here's the thing. They haven't made a deadline deal since Isaiah Thomas, like, yeah. like five, six years ago. Right. And mm -hmm. and most teams don't. It's not it's not a sport. You don't see a ton of these. No, but what you what you do see are the teams that are competing for championships are able to pull off last minute deals, whether it's buyouts, whether it's last minute trades, yes. something leading up to the trade Small deadline. augmentations and, though, right. not blockbusters. Right, but they, they do something though. Yes. And 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 the Celtics don't do anything. They run. They you know they kind of hit the they hit the rewind button and just say we're bringing we're bringing a band back, and it's 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 so damn frustrating to see this every single year. Now, there, in the past, I think there have been circumstances that to me made logical sense why you just keep everything together. You know, we, where you have a guy like Gordon Hayward who gets hurt, misses significant time. Uh, Kyrie Irving isn't right, and and you things like that. But here's the difference, though: those teams. Even in their 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 jacked up state, they were still like four, five, six games over five hundred. You weren't you didn't see them as a team that was muddling the the Mendoza line record wise. They were clearly above five hundred. This team has had to win five of its last six to be what two or three games over five hundred. This is a five hundred esque team that you have right now, and I don't care about Kimber Walker's limited minutes. I don't care that you've had a couple guys miss for health and safety protocol reasons. I all I know is this: you're going into this trade deadline with the biggest potential chip that any NBA team has ever had, and your response is, "Now nah, we're going to save this for down the road." I think the fact that this Celtics have played 500 basketball up to this point, for the most part, would make me more bullish to use something now, so that we can, I don't know, not be a 500 team. Now, if you now, if Danny is convinced that. Uh, Kimball Walker's getting healthy and we're going to, you know, uh, Romeo's going to help us for a game or two down the road and Tatum and Brown are only going to get better and Time Lord's going to continue to evolve. Okay, fine, roll it out. But when you get to the playoffs, if your ass gets bounced in the second round, people are going to be enraged because you once again, it, you, you fit, it feels like you're, 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 you're Charlie Brown and the Celtics are Lucy. You're, 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 you think, yep, we're about to go back to the playoffs with the same team. We're going to run up and we're going to kick it out of here. And next thing you know, you're flat on your back wondering, I can't believe I fell no, for this you're, again. You're not. What you're doing is you're <laughs> acting like you're doing everything you can to improve, knowing that deep down you're not. And then basically fans are going to have to accept that this is going to be a down year. And that's the reality of it. The question is, how much of that is tax driven? All right. So that is like, so if all of the venom is going to come towards Danny for not doing something, but he's been told from up above, we are not, 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 not going into the tax. So I do not care uh, if that's the case. Uh, how much heat can you put on him in, 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 in this, in this situation? 
I hope Danny's playing us all for fools and just saying this with, in the back of the mind. He's making like a blockbuster deal. I really hope that's what's happening. Because yeah. if that's what's happening, it's just like, ha, 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 Danny, you got me. Nice one. Uh, but if that's not happening, a lot of people are going to be looking at him. With Sherrod, how can they even make a blockbuster deal? We've said this a million times. They don't even have any tradable assets. Rob Williams is your only one. And you just told us you won't trade him for anybody aside from Anthony Davis. So how the hell are they going to make a blockbuster trade? They don't have anybody to trade. And the other thing is this. At the trade deadline, you're not trading from a position well, of power if you're Danny Ainge. You're overpaying for somebody's somebody for somebody that a team doesn't want or doesn't need at this stage in their in their season or the franchise's uh, you know path that they're on. So again, could, like you, yeah. What? This could be a semantic argument, though, Sherrod. What do you mean, just for Jimmy's sake? What do you mean when you say blockbusters? Harrison Barnes count? No, no. So to me, you're when I think about when I think about a blockbuster deal, I think about bringing in someone that is going to absolutely change your team dramatically give you something what that you're saying how do you do that what, what well, here's, are the, what are the well, here's a here's a here's thought here's a thought let's just say andre drummond gets bought out and he is the buyout market you can't you don't trade for he is the buyout market can you convince a player who is right having one of his best seasons when he was playing to come to boston for the rest of the year can you convince him a player like that? Because if you add him, now all of a sudden, I, he can't defend Joel Embiid, but he damn sure can get buckets at the other end of the floor. you got guys who are going to get rotate fouls with him. He, To me, adding someone who has the potential to get you past at least one of the teams that are already ahead of you in the, in the pecking order, that to me is, is what a blockbuster deal can do for you. And right now, I don't see them adding that player. And who, I is understand that play who is that player? That's the thing, there's nobody even out there. Who is it, and how do they get him? I, they don't. I, to me, I, Andre Drummond is one of the few players that I think if you add him to Drummond? the mix, he counts as a blockbuster. Andre Drummond. What year are we in? You think Harrison Barnes is going to move the needle? You think Harrison Barnes moves it closer to getting past Philly? I, I, no, I don't. But he's. I mean, he's a he's a he's a good depth guy. He's a, he can. Uh, I guess he could start for you and whatever. DJ but, Tucker's a nice player that we didn't see out there for Houston who could do some things for you. They need to do something, Jim. That, these, they need to add somebody to make this team better. That's my, that's my point. No, and I at that point, that becomes a blockbuster deal in Boston because they haven't added anybody to deadline to make them better since Isaiah Thomas. Getting Andre Drummond is like the tiniest blockbuster in the history of blockbusters. I, I nobody in the world would would think that's a blockbuster. I'm all for them adding a piece or two to like like I said, make the bench a little bit stronger, bring a guy that can spot start, you know, free up Tatum and Brown, all those things. I'm all for that. But there's no. So you want Harrison Barnes? It, it depends on what they ask. What, I want what are Lonzo. They for? I want Lonzo. That's what I want. I, I'd love Lonzo too. Harrison Barnes, I'm fine with, but I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not putting Harrison Barnes on this pedestal that some people are saying. Like Harrison Barnes is gonna take us to the NBA Finals. That's not the. You're case. not getting. So you're not getting Lonzo. So I'm you're not, not willing to Lonzo. give up. I'm not willing to give up that much for Harrison Barnes because I don't think it's gonna be the difference in the First end. Off, and I'd rather hold. On I'd want. Lonzo. I'd want Lonzo too, but they're not getting Lonzo. Yeah. First off, Drummond's. I mean, dr the Drummond's a fait accompli. Drummond's going to go point. for like a second Drummond's round a, pick. Drummond's a, Drummond's a buyout, and Drummond's walking race just literally just heading right to Brooklyn, and that's the end of or that. L.A. One of the L.A. You go I right think L.A. L.A. LA he'll, he'll actually play in L.A. Right. He'll actually play in L.A. He's not going to play that much in Brooklyn. No, he'll, he'll, dude, he'll jump right on LeBron's right, right on LeBron's back all the way to the NBA Finals. Why not? In L.A. No, I – but that's the other thing about the Celtics is they're not in a position to get these buyout guys either. And again, like anybody they get isn't, in my opinion, isn't going to put them ahead of a team like 
like the Nets and the East. Yeah. The Nets are just the Nets are on another level right now. As long as they can stay healthy and they don't, you know, implode, Kyrie Irving can keep his head on straight. Nobody's beating them in the East, and I don't think anyone in the league is going to beat them. I don't think the Lakers will beat them this year. And and yeah, and Danny will, will never admit this, but low key, you he's got to be thinking that there's nothing that I can do that's going to put us out right. of Brooklyn. And if there's nothing I can do to, to put us out of Brooklyn, why am I going to jeopardize yeah. assets? to do that right uh exactly. let me just put together the team that i got if my team that i got right now can get healthy we're competitive we're competitive with just about everyone in the east but right now brooklyn has more firepower and i, I thought i would never see this they're actually defending they're actually freaking well. defending <laughs> great team defense they they've had they've had a couple stinkers along the way but overall where they were when they first got james harden and where they are now my goodness night and day so there's one guy there's one guy that we didn't mention that Sherrod, you you guys mentioned on your A-list podcast, Jeremy Grant. I mean, is yeah. he a guy that 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 would that would be a, a blockbuster blockbuster esque type trade? Um, but again, I mean, they're not trading to, him. Right? It doesn't sound they're like not at least it sounds like it costs a lot if they were to. Well, it, it, not only would it cost a lot, but the reason why it would cost a lot is because Detroit doesn't want to trade him. The only way they would trade him was if you came with a deal that was absolutely just completely blew them away. And even if you put two or three picks plus the trade exception out there, that still won't be enough because right. Jeremy Grant is in the first year of a three-year $60 million deal. Detroit has nothing even remotely close to, to a number one, two, or three player for a legitimate playoff team. You, t Jeremy Grant – if the Pistons are a legitimate playoff contender, he's probably your third best player. You look at his salary, $20 million, that's about what the third best player is going for these days. When you look at this, look at the Celtics. you got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kimba Walker. Jalen Brown is probably that number three guy in the pecking order, and you look at his salary, yeah, that's pretty consistent with what Jeremy mm -hmm. Grant is getting. So it would take a why Rob, would Detroit Rob do that? Williams. It makes Rob no, it makes no sense for a million reasons. I, I have no I have no belief that uh, Detroit would do that. None. No. None. No. But I don't, think, I don't think there's anything the Celtics could do uh, to to get no. him. So I, I don't even think it's worth talking about. Uh, one guy you mentioned in your um, in your uh, in your pod all in your uh, BSJ article also Sherrod was uh, Romeo, who again, <laughs> call, call me Romeo, crazy. Romeo, who? I'm John, still, we're there. Zanis, we're there I'm with Romeo. Still bullish on Romeo, but the the quote from the executive that you that you talked to an East executive was, there might be a team out there that values him, and and the executive said that um, he's still got big upside. Okay, and I that's what that's again. I'm telling you, where I'm staying on this, and I and I, you know I get beat up a little on it, but. This is a guy who was a top three high school recruit entering college, didn't have a great college season, which is why he slipped to 14 plus his injury. Um, and he has a great pedigree and an ability to score and do a lot of things that impressed a lot of people, granted, not at this level uh, and not even really at the college level. But there's a lot of things that he could do and a lot of things this team needs that he can do. So I am still holding out hope that Romeo, if he's not a, and again, I hate the idea of trading him before he goes out there and plays 15 minutes for you. I think that that's just bad business because it's selling him at an all time low. I'm, I'm counting on an actual contribution from him. Well, here's the thing. He had that stretch last season where it was like three or four games. It wasn't a long stretch, but three or four games where he looked really good. And it wasn't so much his scoring. It was his defense. Uh, that's the part of his exactly. game that 
I was told again last year because I, I got a text from from executive was just like Romeo defense. Then it was just like WTF question mark question mark. We never saw that from him in high school because he was so good offensively. We never saw that at Indiana because it, he was actually playing with an injury most of his his one season at Indiana. Uh, that's why you know it made sense for him to, to turn pro when he did because you don't want that to be something that becomes part of your narrative, which as it turned out, it is exactly that part of his narrative. Romeo's a good player when he's healthy, but that's the big if. Can he stay healthy long enough to help you? But look, to me, if it means getting an elite rotation guy that has some upside that's in their low to mid-20s age-wise, and I got to give up Romeo, I'll probably do it. But if you're talking about getting someone who's at the end of the rope, who's like 34, 35 years old, is, you know, once they're done with us, they're done with the league. Hell no. Not so that's no. I, I Maybe the ultimate sell low. I hate right. him as a throw-in. Hate him. Because right. you know it's going to come back and bite Danny in the ass. You know. I hate it. It feels like, <laughs> right, it feels like a Bagwell for Larry Anderson situation. You know, like, it, it feels like uh, way too much of a sell low um, where – yeah, you might get something, but this would be the classic Band-Aid. You get somebody who helps a little, you know, uh, and you give away something that has a much, much, much higher upside. I, I, that would, I, I can't see that. He has to be a sweetener or a central piece in a, in a better deal, or else you're really, really just giving him away for nothing. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, that, that's why it's so frustrating, though, like waiting for this guy to get on the court. Again, another player where you want to see – what they have and what do they have in this player? What what is it? Same Neesmith, you know Romeo, Rob poor, up until like poor two, Smith. two months ago. I mean they they've got all these young guys in their team that nobody knows what the hell they're capable of. Yeah, Neesmith. Hey, wasn't Neesmith it sad seeing him check in late with you standing <laughs> next to Taco? And I was like, oh, five <laughs> games ago you were playing, buddy. What happened? Hey, what Taco, happened? Taco Welcome hit him the with the three. Yeah. Yeah, Sherrod, what's your take on, on Neesmith, the whole Neesmith situation, actually? You know what? I I think that he's kind of like Rob in, in, it's from the standpoint of he hasn't done enough to gain Brad's trust in him. And he was doing some good things when he played, but he was making some he was making some mistakes as well. And I, I think yeah. Brad's at that point now where Brad is just rolling with the guys that he trusts. You know, that I, that's why this rotation got shortened. And if you notice, the guys that were in that rotation – were guys that he's been with for years. Uh, you, you look at a guy like you know Peyton Pritchard, who's done a lot of really good things. We're starting to see him in and out, uh, where he, Brad is leaning more on Teague than he is on Peyton. You see that yeah. with, we've seen that with Rob. We're seeing that with Naismith. I think eventually those guys can help them win a game or two uh, down the road. But they've got to earn <laughs> the head coach's trust, and and I, I get it. I mean, garbage time. The saddest thing is watching Neesmith and Carson come in at the same time, and Carson's like, no freaking way I'm passing to you. Right. I'm going to be that guy who comes off the bench. The, I, I, I'm the he microwave. He was supposed to be that. That's why they drafted him. I'm the guy who comes off the bench and knocks down threes. Not you, pal. And Carson's, Carson right. won't even look at him. He's going to get I'm his. Not mad at, no, I'm not hit. mad at Carson for that. I am it's, not mad at him for it's, that. It's, In fact, it's, I'm glad to see that. It's Selfish. Vegas. It's Get Vegas your league. shot. Yeah. It's it's that's it's Vegas drafted. league action, yeah. Well, that's why Neesmith got booted from the rotation because he would never he, he either wouldn't shoot or never got the ball so that he could shoot. And it was like, okay, well, why the hell is he in the game then? I mean, he's supposed to be the you know one of the best shooters in this draft class, but he doesn't shoot. So I mean, 
a lot of good. He looked like he looked a lot like a rookie when he played. Just unsure, tentative, just yeah. to me, he was I mean, doing he was way too much thinking and not enough playing. Yeah, that was it, though. And- that was his shot. Like he had that about five or six game stretch where he proved yeah. he could be a part of the rotation or not. I think he's out for good because, like I said, is unless there's injuries, but with smart right. back and if Romeo comes back, Romeo's jumping ahead of him in the line regardless of whether he's played for a year, uh, played right. for months with the wrist. So I think he's gone. I think it's a lost year. It's a red shirt year at this point for him. Yeah. yeah. And it's Which, too bad because he, he had a little window there to show. They, they're like, all right, prove to me you should be in there instead of Semi and Grant or whomever I'm throwing out there or Javante. Right. He didn't, right. He didn't, he didn't take it. No, and, and, and you know we, we tend to put that stuff on Brad, but so much of this is on the players. I no, mean, he, look, did, he didn't. Look, Brad gave him yeah, a shot. I mean, re- remember, remember the little fella Isaiah Thomas when he first came to Boston. He was brought in as a backup. <laughs> he was Marcus Smart's backup, and when Marcus Smart got hurt, he got thrown into the lineup. All of a sudden, he's ringing up 20, 25 points night in, night out. Marcus comes back to play, but does not come back to start. That be, that's how it's supposed to be. You've got to be confident when you get your opportunity. Because, listen, there's only so many cracks you're going to get in the NBA to be that guy. And the sooner you get, put yourself in that mind frame that you're going to take advantage of that, the better off you're going to be. Isaiah Thomas was ready. Naismith was not ready. And, again, he's a rookie. Isaiah was a veteran. I get that. There is yeah. a clear distinction. But it doesn't change the fact that if you are in the NBA, that means you're a pretty damn good player. And if you get a chance to play a significant role greater than the one that you have, are presently having, you have to make the most of it. And he yeah. did. Yeah. And you he know didn't. what? The, another player that reminds me of they took advantage of their opportunity, Jay Crowder, pretty much took the Jeff Green role right from Jeff Green. Jeff Green was having one of those like checked out nights where he wasn't doing shit. And Jay Crowder checked it in the game and was diving all over the place, you know, hitting shots, being physical. And honestly, that was like the jump start to his career. And he's had a nice, you know, NBA career Crowder has, you know, after, you know, post Celtics career. So that's another guy who like got his window coming from, you know, deep off the bench and never really looked back after that. Yeah. He he runs and hides though. It's not just, I mean, there's, there's a couple of times there, like, sure, he's pretty uneasy with the ball, and you see it. He gets it in his hands. He wants to get rid of it quick. He does not want to right. put it on the floor. But there were a couple times, too, where you just watch. And, again, I, I wish I could go back and pull this play, but it was one where the ball's rotating around, and he was in a perfect shooting position where the defense had rotated over, and it's starting to swing back around to him. And instead of staying in his spot and and, and squaring up for the catch and shoot, he drifts further off into the corner where the ball can no longer get to him anymore and almost took himself out of the play. And like, mm-hmm. just if you've played t- 10 seconds of basketball, just a little bit of flow there. It's like, why are you moving now? Like you're actually in a spot. It could have swung to him for a wide open three. And he drifted into a place where it would have taken two passes to get it to him. And the defense was already over on that side. And he just took himself completely out of the play. He does that a lot. He puts himself in positions where it's almost impossible to get the ball to him. It is weird. He's not like I said, he's just kind of going and standing around and almost trying to get out of the way. It is very odd. Even in garbage time minutes, you'd think he'd be more aggressively kind of looking for it, right. and he's not. I, you know, I don't know what it is. It maybe it's a he personality goes. thing. I defer. He's too deferential. I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, or he's scared, I, I, and people are saying he's just scared. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I think the biggest thing with him is he he's just thinking too damn much out there, not just playing. Yes. Uh, t- 
rookies are so it's to me it's like it's the one DNA trait that damn near every single rookie who comes in the NBA has. And that is once they get out there, they go through practices, they go through all the drills, they, they read the scouting report and all that. And all this data is in their heads and they're trying to process it while playing. And that's the problem. There's a disconnect between playing and processing all the information yeah. that they have to do. There's no muscle memory built up yet for a lot of these players. Yeah. And because of that, everything seems either a step slow or a, or they're they're not rotating as quickly thinking as they should, or they're try. indecisive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thinking I'm hoping that he'll try. break out of it once he gets like a summer league under his belt, where he can, he can get out there and play and play freely and not be just so I think pent up mentally the way I think he is right now. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, they have. Look, I, I told it's a school night. I told Jimmy we'd wrap it up a little early tonight. So I'll, no, we're good. Uh, this and again, I don't want to keep short. Don't want to keep Sherrod all night here. He was gracious enough to join us. Um, I was going to say, I said, that, I said that before I knew Sherrod was going to be on the show, though. So oh, now, now it's a party? <laughs> yeah, now I'm good. Now Jimmy's my guy. It, 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 maybe Sherrod will, maybe Sherrod will, will, will come on again sometime, okay? Maybe yeah, no, he will. Now. He will. Yeah. He has to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk but, about uh, it. I just want to quickly look ahead to Utah. That's uh, Is that a Tuesday night game? Yeah, Tuesday night. This is a hellish stretch. I think this begins a 9 of 14. They've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday this week. Um, so they're at it every day. It's a back-to-back, -back, obviously. Um, you know, they, they played them once already. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this could really be a snapback to reality game or another potential, like, statement we've arrived game. I just – I still don't have confidence in this team to show up and do the latter. This is going to be a tough game. I mean, Utah, top five team, offensive and defensive rating. You know, they've got arguably the best defensive player in, this season and, and for many seasons in Rudy Gobert. You know, Donovan Mitchell has, has – Yeah. In, yeah. Right. Jonathan Mitchell has played at a ridiculously high level this year. Uh, Quinn Snyder, hell of a coach. My learn with the Celtics is that they'll get too bogged down in what is comfortable for them. And well, for them – Comfort is iso ball. I don't think this is a team that you can go heavy in isolation and expect to win. Uh, and I know Tatum is really good at that. I mean, Tatum, you know, just looking at the numbers, I mean, he has more iso possessions than, than he's a top 10 player in the NBA when it comes to iso possessions, which is crazy when you think about. Uh, and I was just looking at stuff the other day. He's like ahead of guys like Luca, <laughs> Giannis, and, you know, Kyrie even, and, and you know, and, and isos, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But they're gonna they're gonna need somebody like a Time Lord to really step up and be a difference yeah. maker. They're gonna need they're gonna need someone who is not in that big three core of Tatum, Brown, and Kimba to have a hell of a game. Like if we're talking about Robert Williams having fifteen and fifteen, it means the Celtics probably win. So really, what's gonna happen is they're gonna play the double big lineup for twenty four minutes uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, lose by six. <sighs> I hope then, not, but yeah, you're lucky. You like, you're lucky you didn't come on after a loss, Sherrod. Okay, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, no. Stevens needs to get a little creative. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they they, you know, all the stuff we heard about Brett Stevens was you know this great basketball mind, and I'm not saying he isn't, but got to got to get a little bit creative with some of the lineups and the rotations and the matchup based things. So you know, what, I think it's just a rob game. What's you that? know what, Jimmy? It's it's a little bit easier to to get creative in the kitchen when you don't have that many uh, ingredients to work with, or or you don't have a whole lot of meat to work with. But when all of a right. sudden you've got the the deli is you've got the deli. You don't even have like sandwich meat. You've got a freaking deli of of options to choose from. 
getting creative with that you would think would be easier, but it's actually harder because you've got more options. You've got more decisions that you have to make that aren't as cut and dry. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you've, you know, if, if, if you've got like, you know, Isaiah Thomas, do I start him over Marcus Smart or do I come out, have him come off the bench? That's one decision you got to make. But what do I do when I've got Rob Williams, Tristan Thompson, and, and Daniel Tice? Which one do I lean on more than the others? Um, right. th there's just a completely different dynamic that he, I think, is still himself <laughs> learning how to deal with. So, Sorry. Rob Williams there's, is the gabagool. There sure. were some Sopranos in <laughs> here. I have to give the hat. Uh, I always give the hat tip when I get a good reference in the thread. So we got a Kevin Finnerty reference. That's that's deep Soprano stuff right there. But nice. Yeah, Utah's going to be a great game. That's a great that's a great test for the Celtics. We didn't even mention Conley is another one who. I mean, he made the All Star All Star team this year. Finally. Uh, so yeah, finally. That's crazy. I mean, that might be one of the craziest stats I've ever heard. Seven was it? Seventeen years or something in the NBA, and that's his first All Star game. I mean. That's crazy to me that yeah. he's playing at that level at this stage in his career, and it's his first All Star game. I mean, shut yeah, up. Yeah, but damn, but but you you saw how he made the team, and obviously this will never oh, I go. Know, I know. I mean, yeah. first he didn't make the team, and then the guy that replaced someone who didn't make the team wasn't able to play, so he's like third yeah, removed. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He literally I, like last man standing. I love him. He's he's phenomenal. It's gonna be a yeah. good. It's just gonna be a good matchup, you know, like at the Celtics. Celtics need to make a game out. This needs to be a highly competitive game. If they, Stop. If they I, don't, I don't want to hear that competitive nonsense, Jimmy. They got to win. Win yeah. the damn game. I, I'm I tired of these. Yeah, well, yeah, they should win too. I agree, but I don't want listen. Them to, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, tired man. of the participation trophy mentality with this team. Forget about being competitive. Get the damn win. Cap Capitasto right. and I used to call it. Used to say there was an extra column in the standings for MV, which was moral victory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so every time the Celtics would little engine that could yeah. play that game and come within two points of the really good Cavs or Heat or whomever, back like, oh, and then the narrative the next day would be, oh, no, what a great, oh, so close, right, right, yeah. The we old, passed that, Jimmy. Get the yeah. damn win. It's in I your building. Not, You've won five of the last six games. Find a way. Yeah, Get I do win. not want to take that MV column. Okay. Yeah. No, there's no more <laughs> victories for this team. Like that's this isn't that type of team. But yeah, back then for sure. Yeah, agree. Um, so that's it. We'll wrap it up. Like I said, uh, we were happy to get Sherrod on here. Um, if you haven't subscribed already, the A-List podcast on CLNS Media Network, go subscribe now uh, with Kwani Lunas, also an NBC Kwani. Sports Boston alum. Um, Did you have you crazy, Sherrod, or what? Both teams play hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, good answer. It's good stuff. It's great conversation. Phenomenal guests every single week. Um, so uh, you, you definitely subscribe. Uh, episodes come out on Tuesday. Um, and so, uh, Sherrod, have you got something lined up for this week? Yeah, we're going to go a little, little blast from the past and, and come with our guy, Cedric Maxwell. Uh, uh, we're we're going to oh, – we know exactly. him. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the Celtics and the season they're having, and, and we'll, you know, get into the Utah game a little bit. And we'll also talk about just – you know, from the player's perspective, this time of year where you literally could be having to pack your bags and head out to who knows where. So he'll share some of those, as you guys know, Maxwell tales oh, yeah. about times that he's kind of gone through that as well. Uh, so, yeah, that he, he's going to be our, our featured guest this week. Yeah. So like that's a, great. Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, it's going to be like a uh, table, like just chatting before the game, like the, at the media dining table. Like we, oh, he's uh, the best. To do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, Jimmy, you're making me sad now, man. <laughs> we'll get back there. We'll, we'll all get, get back, back there. there. Just like my orange got back to the tournament. But that's another uh, story. You no, have to slide that in. We'll get back there. But this was that's fun. That's a short story. Yeah. This this was fun. Oh, Jim. Good to get the band back together again. NBC, uh, NBC alums here. Um right. we will have we assume we're not sure if we're gonna let Bobby and Joe Sway back in the show. We kind of like this dynamic, but um, yeah. you know, they've been putting in they've been putting in a good effort. So they're on uh, they're on protocol right now. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're in the protocol. Romeo. In addition to Sherrod's pod, of course, um, you can catch his stuff uh, over at BSJ. Um, he's a special columnist uh, contributing over there. And again, subscribe to BSJ. Go to bostonsportsjournal.com slash subscribe. Sherrod, don't forget my – I have a discount code. Sherrod is the discount code for BSJ. Uh, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. Yeah. So Save you get a discount code. And you heard it here. Um, go in and get some. Uh, it ends up being like 11 cents a day, but it's a uh, incredible coverage. Wow. You got Corrales and Sherrod, even a little B Manning uh, contributing uh, on the uh, on the basketball side of things. Obviously, Greg doing his football stuff. A lot more, a lot more cool stuff coming to BSJ as well. But obviously, uh, a, a huge, huge get to be able to add somebody of Sherrod's caliber. Um, so you're, that's where you get his Boston Celtics exclusive Boston Celtics coverage over there. So make sure you go subscribe, right. and of course. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. You'll be alerted every single time we go live in a situation like this. You'll get streaming podcasts. Sherrod's podcast is going to start streaming live on the network as well. Uh, and you'll nice. be notified every time we go live with something like that. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. Again, Jimmy, you got one more thing? You're good. This, you know, we're hard at trade season now. So we might just be going live out of nowhere. So you're going to want to get that, that Watch notification. Out. Yeah. Right. Watch out. Exactly. Where'd that yeah. happen? Yeah, exactly. Just like Kim, <laughs> where is just don't know. Yeah, we're gonna be live, just like that. Just like that. <laughs> where's our Dal Romeo going? He's live, <laughs> right? And if Rob gets traded, we'll do it live. If Rob gets traded, we riot. Oh yeah, unless it's Anthony Davis. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then and then we're good. Rob goes, we riot. So again, for Jimmy Toscano and Ashrod Blakely, thank you for joining us, John Zanis. We will see you guys next time. What are you doing with science, Jimmy? What the hell is that? <laughs>